Look at 1 Corinthians 12. Can we stand and honor God's word this morning? says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Father in heaven, if we want anything today as 21st century believers, we want life in the Spirit. It was Paul's message. Power in the spirit, life in the spirit, living and abiding and dwelling in your spirit. Paul screamed this message throughout the books that you inspired him to write. And so God inspire us today to go to another level spiritually, to be of a heavenly mind, but also of earthly good. Father, bring balance to our walk, dismiss any myths that we may have been raised with, that are not found in scripture. And Father, may your word come alive to us in ways that we've never known it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So many things that I wanna, I wanna highlight. I'm gonna do my best to, to stick to my notes, but I just wanna grab some verses that seem odd and they seem unusual so that they can be explained a little bit. For instance, in verse 3, it says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You're thinking, well, you know, anyone could say Jesus is Lord. Why would Paul say that they can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit? What Paul was saying there is that you called all of your idols Lord. All of those false idols that you were worshiping, you called Lord, and none of you would be calling Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit, except by the work that God was doing in you. So for Paul, it was all about the work of the Holy Spirit. And everything to the Apostle Paul from his conversion to his ministry was based on the supernatural and the Spirit's power. In his book, Paul, the Spirit, and the People of God, Gordon D. Fee says, for him, Paul, Life in the Spirit meant embracing both fruit and gifts simultaneously and vigorously. What I have come to call life in the radical middle. The Spirit as an experienced and empowering reality was for Paul and his churches the key player in all of Christian life from beginning to end. The Spirit covered the whole waterfront. Power for life, growth, fruit, gifts, prayer, witness, and everything else. I love Dr. Fee. Dr. Fee um, is one of the most widely recognized spirit-filled theologians. He's respected 
And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he's a very, very good one to, to resource and consult. And we see here in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, that the church in Corinth had questions about spiritual gifts. And the Apostle Paul's heart was that the church would not misunderstand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we have the two letters from Paul to the Corinthians is because they had questions and they needed direction regarding spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, speaking in tongues is referenced a lot because as Dr. Fee would put it, tongues was the problem child. Tongues was the problem child. And we would do well to start with speaking in tongues, therefore. And so I'm gonna, gonna kind of revolve around that. I've been getting a lot of questions in the last few weeks about speaking in tongues and isn't it true this and isn't it true that? And I do my best to get back to you guys when you reach out to me. And so hopefully I've done a decent job and I thought I would take the opportunity given us through the Apostle Paul and begin to tackle some of these things because some of you were raised in churches that uh, did not embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, you were raised in churches that said maybe speaking in tongues is of the devil. Um, you were raised in a church that maybe said the gifts of the Holy Spirit died out with the apostles and so after the last, the last apostle died, so did the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that the gifts were based in the apostles. I thought they were based in the Holy Spirit, though. And so it really shouldn't matter who lives or who dies. If they're his gifts, then he would determine how long they remain on the earth. And I'd say as long as he's here, they're here. I can't imagine the Holy Spirit um, offering his gifts at one point and then all of a sudden pulling back on them and said, you know what, no, 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 they've served their purpose. I can't see anything consistent with scripture that says that God comes one way, midstream changes everything and says, hey, 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 we're, we're under a new dispensation now. We're no longer doing that. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't cease from his mission to go to the cross, to die for us, to be buried for us, and to be risen all for us? I'm so grateful that he never wavered. And neither does the Holy Spirit waver from his purpose either. And so we're going to look today at scriptures, it'd be a good note-taking service, we're going to look at scriptures that reinforce why speaking in tongues is not only for today, but it should be practiced today, the benefits of it, how it affects the believer, and how it can affect an entire congregation. And so let's dive in to some of this stuff today. I am going to tackle speaking in tongues from two perspectives. I'm going to tackle it from a biblical one and a logical one because I don't believe you throw out logic um, when we're reading the Bible. I think that they should mesh and they should come together. And so I'm not checking my brain out when I'm reading the scripture. Scripture transforms and it changes the way that I think. Aren't we transformed by the renewing of our mind? And so... Many see speaking in tongues as the doorway to the rest of the gifts and more often than not, the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at these things and I'm gonna to try to build a little bit of foundation and then we're gonna jump into it. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. 1 Corinthians 10. I'm gonna read one through five. It might seem like an obscure portion of scripture, but it's gonna tie in here in a minute. Again, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. So Paul is reiterating things so that they wouldn't forget, so that they wouldn't misunderstand, so that they wouldn't be ignorant. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. 
In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Why, why is, is Paul bringing up the exodus now to the church in Corinth? Why is he bringing this up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Because Paul is using the exodus to illustrate that three events mark Christian conversion and experience. He's using the exodus to illustrate that three events mark the Christian conversion and experience. Salvation, which is illustrated by leaving Egyptian bondage to worship God and go to the promised land, leaving one kingdom for another, coming out of one kingdom and into another. Water baptism, walking through the parted Red Sea. It was a type of water baptism. And spirit baptism, which is represented by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Remember Matthew 3.11, and we'll bring it up again in a little bit. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said that there is one coming after me. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. So salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism are three events that mark Christian conversion and experience, and Paul is bringing this up again. We see this in Paul's ministry in Acts chapter 19. Go to Acts 19 with me. Acts 19, 1 through 6. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Say believers. Believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. What a strange question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So it must be possible to get saved without people being aware of the Holy Spirit or understanding the Holy Spirit, it must be possible. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Remember, salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism, and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus, Matthew 3:11. we just referenced it. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Notice separate events. Salvation. Did you, did you hear about the Holy Spirit when you believed? We didn't even know there, there was a Holy Spirit. Salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism. Paul lays his hands on them. Holy Spirit comes upon them. So what does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? Regarding speaking in tongues, there are two aspects. There's a private and a public use. And I'm going to give you three portions of Scripture um, and we're going to build on it a little bit, and I'm going to do my best to explain private use. Private use is to edify the believer. So when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, more often than not, the initial evidence is speaking in tongues. 
and you now have your prayer language and you can use it whenever you want. And scripture says it edifies the believer. I'm going to give you two scriptures that reinforce this. First one's in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Notice the private use. Go to the book of Jude right before Revelation. If you go to Revelation, you've gone too far. Book of Jude, verse 20. It says, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see where it says, build each other up? It is the very same language for strengthened in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Strength, same language. So when you are praying in the Holy Spirit, when you are praying in tongues, you are building yourself up, you are edifying yourself in the spirit. And that word edify, that word build up, that word strengthened, it means to build up like you would a building. So you might work out to be strong outwardly, praying in tongues builds you up inwardly. Private use. There is a public use with interpretation that edifies the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Public use, public use. You could even say that Speaking in tongues with interpretation is the equivalent of prophecy. It edifies, it edifies the church. So you, once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have your prayer language. It is an unknown language, but it can grow. Your spirit prays, your mind's unfruitful, your spirit prays. Read 1 Corinthians 14, you'll find all of this. It says you give thanks well, it says you speak wisdom, but your mind's unfruitful, it is your spirit that that praise. Public use. You would be in a service and you would feel God prompting you to give a public tongue. After you've given that public tongue, you would then wait and it would be interpreted or the Bible says that you should pray that you would interpret. How many of you were raised in churches where tongues and interpretation took place? Okay, we got a few of you. Some of you are looking around like, what? No way. That really happened? People would just start speaking in tongues out loud? Yes, led by the Holy, led by the Holy Spirit. It, it's no different than a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge um, being given to someone. Word of knowledge would have to do with the past or the present. Word of wisdom would have to do with wisdom that would pertain to the future. These are all gifts of the Holy Spirit that are in operation today. So based on Matthew 3.11, and we'd already referenced it, John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 tells us that salvation, we receive the Spirit within. The same Spirit that raised Christ 
from the dead dwells in you. When you become a Christian, you invite Jesus in your heart. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. So it's not like you don't have the Holy Spirit. He is within. He dwells within. But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, as Acts 1.8 says, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But you shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the difference would be the Holy Spirit being within and the Holy Spirit coming upon. Baptism means immersion. So you are immersed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's a difference with the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit coming upon. So at salvation, it's like you get a drink of the Holy Spirit. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like you go swimming. Okay? Are you with me so far? You're awful quiet. So Pastor John, why do pastors and churches say speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased with the apostles? Why do they say that today? Very well-respected ministers, men I greatly respect, say this. Why do they say it? Well, I want to tackle that argument today from Scripture and so go to 1 Corinthians 13. People that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit no longer exist or are in operation today are called cessationists. They believe that the gifts have ceased. And their argument is largely based on 1 Corinthians 13, 8. And so I'll read the verse that their argument's based on and then we're gonna tackle it. It says... Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages, or if it's an older version that you have in your hands, it'll say speaking in tongues. And special knowledge will become useless or it will cease, but love will last forever. So, this whole chapter, chapter 13, is not about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Start to finish it is about love. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, verse 1. The last verse, verse 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. This is a love chapter. It's about love. It's not about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If this was speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, well, then knowledge would have to cease too because verse 8 says, and special knowledge will become useless, but the Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3.18 that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There would be a stark contrast here. And Peter and Paul would have to go nose to nose because one of them would be doctrinally off. I'm telling you that this chapter doesn't have anything to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It has to do with, with love. But let's look at verse 11 and, or 11 and 12 in chapter 13 a little bit closer. It says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I um, know now is partial and incomplete, but then I'll know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Your Bibles might not say perfect clarity there, the original language says face-to-face. -face. Says face-to-face. -face. The argument is that once Scripture was completed and we had the Bible in its entirety that we, that we now know, canon was completed, 
that the perfect had come and we no longer needed the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In full gospel circles, the argument would be that the perfect wasn't speaking about the completion of scripture, it was speaking about Jesus' return. And it's speaking about a person here because it talks about face to face as a speaking of a person. Concerning this, Dr. Wayden Grudem says, this suggests that Paul saw the gifts as a temporary provision made to equip believers for ministry until the Lord returned. Until the Lord returned. Until Jesus returns and we see him face to face, we need him. And we need him and we'd better be using them in a healthy and a natural and an encouraging way. Not to manipulate, not to control, but to encourage and to build one another up because we need the encouragement. The Apostle Paul valued the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I want to draw your attention to four verses in 1 Corinthians 14 and then we're going to wrap it up because we're running out of time. So has this been helpful? Has this been good? Okay. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul talking. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Paul thanked God that he spoke in tongues more than anybody. Look at verse 14, verse 5. We already looked at it, but let's look at it again. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish that you could all prophesy. So Paul spoke in tongues more than anyone. Paul told the church he wished they all spoke in tongues. And then look at verse 39 of chapter 14. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. I love it. How good is that? And my favorite portion of scripture in chapter 14 is verse 15. Bar none, my favorite. Paul says this. Well then, what shall I do? After he's spoken about all of these things, verses 1 through 14. I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray in words I understand. I'll sing in the Spirit. And I will also sing in words I don't understand. What is that saying? Theologians believe that Paul was giving us a glimpse into his devotional life. And Paul's devotional life he prayed in tongues and he prayed with words he understood. He sang in tongues, he sung in words that he understood. I don't know about you, but if it was good for the Apostle Paul, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, man, it's good for me. And if we don't believe that speaking in tongues is for today, there is an awful lot of scripture that we need to throw away. One more logical argument that I'll throw at you, and I say it all the time, and I believe it bears repeating. If speaking in tongues was of the devil then why weren't you and I speaking in tongues when we were serving the devil? I mean, when we were at those parties, why weren't there a bong session going on over there, keg stands going on over there, and then a whole group speaking in tongues over there? Why was it I, none of the parties that I went to? Um, why um, in, 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 in the bars aren't there people over there in the corner speaking in tongues? Man, they really... They're really hammered, and they start, they start speaking in tongues. It, just, it happens all the time. It's just this phenomena that just happens all the time. People, when they're hammered, when they're buzzed out of their minds, they just start speaking in tongues. It's amazing, Pastor John. It happens all the time. Because it doesn't. Because it's not of the devil. 
I don't care if you hear of some isolated incident in Africa somewhere or whatever. It's, it, it's not, and we weren't. Because how many of you would be honest in saying, yeah, man, I served the devil intensely. Um, might not have known better, but I served him with all my heart. And I partied, and I used drugs, and I smoked weed, and I snorted coke, and I ate mushrooms, and I smoked hash under glass, and I drank an awful lot of alcohol. I never spoke in tongues. Maybe what was coming out might have sounded like tongues, but I wasn't speaking in tongues. It's because it's not of the devil. They're not his gifts or the Holy Spirit's gifts. And I'm not going to tell the Holy Spirit that they can't be used today because I need them today. And I would encourage you to get a hold of them. And at the end of the service, we dismiss the service. We will open up the altars. And if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, man, we would love to pray for you. I prayed for people all over the world to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the Jordan River in Israel, in Mexico. I, I, I absolutely love to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's one of my most favorite things to do. I would encourage you to come get some. Hey, put up or shut up. Find out whether it's real. I guarantee you one thing, the devil and his demons are not welcome in this church, and so you're not going to get inhabited by a demon. Luke eleven thirteen says, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? I'll give you one more quick portion of scripture for those of you that think, I still think it's demonic. I don't care what Pastor John says. Um, I want to do my best. I want to do my job at challenging your thinking. Luke 10, 19 says, Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. The power of the enemy is snakes and scorpions here, right? Are you following? Now go to Luke 11, chapter 11 with me. You fathers in 11, 11, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what you get. You don't get snakes and scorpions. You don't get the demonic. When you're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't open you up to the demonic. And listen, just because you were raised with it doesn't mean it's right. Scripture should challenge, always challenge your walk with God. Scripture should always be refining your doctrine and your theology. Scripture should always be renewing your mind and therefore transforming your life. Scripture speaks. Scripture is alive. Scripture stands. And based on Scripture, I challenge you to get everything that God has made available to you. Is it a determiner as to whether we go to heaven or not? Absolutely not. But will it strengthen your walk here on earth? Absolutely. And so come get some. It's free. No cover charge here at the church, despite rumors. No cover charge. Um, you can know. People have actually said that. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Um, it's free. Just like salvation's free. I tell you what, from the moment... I'd been baptized with the Holy Spirit about six months after I came to know Jesus, invited Jesus into my heart. I've never been the same. Salvation changed me. Baptism of the Holy Spirit changed me. And I'm so grateful for it. I pray in tongues an awful 
lot, awful lot. It's real. It's for today. Find out. Find out for yourselves. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you.